Kings chapter 7. As everybody here knows, I was in building for years. And years ago I did a study on the temple and the tabernacle. And uh, I left a study, and in my mind I'm trying to all by measurements of, of modern day measurements, I'm always trying to visualize as I study the Bible what it would look like uh, that as it was built back in those days. And uh, boy, it was some kind of mighty beautiful building. But uh, one of my favorite stories is uh, here in chapter 7. My son that was in demolition and um, he called me one day and said, Dad, I got a column, to, two columns to tear down by the uh, courthouse in Orlando. And he said, I got to get uh, two cranes to get them down, to hold them up as I cut them loose. He said, can you tell me how much they weigh? I said, yeah, I can. Give me about 10 minutes. And so I called my engineer. <laughs> And I, I asked my son how big around or how, how many inches it was through and how many rods of steel, what size rods of steel. He had all that on the plan. And he gave me all the dimensions. I called him back in a few minutes. I told him what it weighed because the engineer told me what it weighed. He said, how did you do that, Daddy? I ain't telling him. <laughs> but uh, what, I, what I was thinking about, that is today I just thought about these columns that was in front of this uh, tabernacle. So if you would, please, I want to just read a little bit. In chapter 7, verse 1, But Solomon was building his own house 13 years, and he finished all his house. But he built also the house of the forest of Lebanon. The length thereof was 100 cubits, and the breadth thereof 50 cubits, and the height thereof 30 cubits, upon four rows of cedar pillars, with cedar beams upon the pillars. And it was covered with cedar above upon the beams that lay on 45 pillars, 15 in a row. And there were windows in the three rows, and light was against light in three ranks. And all the doors and the posts were square, with the windows and light was against light in three ranks. And he made a porch of pillars, the length thereof was 50 cubits, and the breadth thereof 30 cubits. And the porch was before them, and the other pillar and the thick beam were before them. Then he made a porch for the throne, where he might judge, even the porch of judgment. And it was covered with cedar from one side of the floor to the other. And his house where he dwelt had another court, wherein the porch was like work. Solomon made also a house for Pharaoh's daughter, whom he had taken to wife like in this porch. Now going on down to verse 13. And King Solomon sent and fetched Hiram out of Tyre. He was a widow's son of the tribe of Naphtali, and of his father was a man of Tyre, a worker in brass. And he was filled with wisdom and understanding and cunning to work all works in brass. And he came to King Solomon and wrote all his work. For he cast two pillars of brass of eighteen cubits high apiece, and a line of twelve cubits did compass either of them about. And he made two catapers of molded brass to set upon the tops of the pillars, 
the height of one caterpillar was five cubits. The other height of the other caterpillar was five cubits. And the nets of checkered wood are work and wreaths of chain work for the caterpillars, which were on the top of the pillars, seven for the one caterpillar and seven for the other caterpillar. And he made the pillars in two rows round about upon the one network to cover the caterpillars that were up on the top with pomegranates, and so did he for the either uh, other caterpillar. And the caterpillars that were upon the top of the pillars were of lily work in the porch, four cubits. And the caterpillars upon the two pillars had pomegranates also above, over against the belly, which was by the network. And the pomegranates were two hundred in rows, round about upon the other caterpillar. And he set up the pillars in the porch of the temple. And he set up the right pillar and called the name of it Jason. And he set up the left pillar and called the name of thereof Boaz. And upon the top of the pillars was lily work. So was the work of the pillars finished. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, I pray tonight that you will help us to understand that nothing is put in your word just to be put up there, in there and fill up space. Everything has a spiritual meaning. We must remember that everything in this book is about one person, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. And so I pray tonight that you will help let the Holy Spirit open our eyes now to see these great truths and blessings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I suppose no features of Solomon's temple have been written about more than these two pillars in front of this temple, Jason and Boaz by name. These two names mean stability and strength. And they hold up on top of them beautiful capitals or, pome- or uh, pillars, uh, pomegranates and nets of checkered work and wreathing chain work. And these two beautiful pillars were, and these beautiful pillars were their capitals and beautiful work have great spiritual meaning about it. These two beautiful and strong pillars spoke because of their number one appearance of the strength and beauty of the great God inside the temple of God. Now notice the fashion of these pillars. They were formed of bronze cast in the earth. Notice three things here. They were the product of human skill. And this human skill was directly from God. It was a gift of God. Look at chapter 7 with me just a minute in verse 14. He was a widow woman's son of the tribe of Naphtali, and his father was a man of Tyre, a worker of brass, and he was filled with wisdom and understanding and cunning work of all works in brass, and he came to King Solomon and wrought all his work. If you find in the Bible where God says a man is filled with wisdom, that means one thing, he's filled by the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that gives wisdom. Now, uh, we are what we are then by the grace of God, according to 1 Corinthians 3, verse 12 through 17. Hebrews said, If my man like wisdom, if any man like wisdom, let him ask of God. Now, we can't build this Christian life, is what this is talking about that we live as Christians unless we learn to live in the power of the Holy Spirit and His wisdom. He's the master builder. These two pillars, their beauty, came to be by hard work. 
Look at verse 15 and verse 16. For he cast two pillars of brass. Here's what I want to show you. They were cast. That takes hard work. Now, it starts with melting the brass after it's been mined out of the earth. And that's hot and hard work. Uh, It become a a child of God. It's so easy, people want to say today, but to live the Christian life is hard work. That's what it's stating. And think of the people in church buildings and pastors who work hard at getting you saved in the first place. Did you know one of the greatest shocks to me as is, is a Christian was when I got in the, the full ministry of the church. Did you know that most people that go to church don't even know what goes on in the church? They have no idea of the work. They have no idea of the characters of people that you're dealing with. They have no idea of the problems that you're dealing with. And, and all of this, that's behind the scenes. Thank God it is. Amen. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. But I had no idea that when God called me to pastor. And man, I was in shock to realize what goes on in a church. And, uh, and I'm talking about saved people now. I'm not talking about outside world. And, and yet I have people come up, well, preacher, you just preach three times on Sunday and one on Wednesday night, and that's all you do. Amen. Amen. Well, what do you do the rest of the week? You know, you'd be surprised how many times I've had people literally come up to me and, and tell me that. Uh, that's all you do. You don't do nothing. You must go fishing every day. Uh, and I never will forget it. Uh, in my former church, the pastor there had the people believing and I was associate pastor, and I fished every day. I did go fishing once a week, every week. Praise God, I got a little bit. But at the same time, everybody thought that's all I had to do was go fishing. I got news for you. There's more to the Lord's work than that. And anybody, I don't care if you just uh, if you're in full time ministry or not. If you're trying to serve the Lord, brother, it's work. It's work. Now this skill. Uh, work was passed down. I want you to watch this. And the Christian work of soul winning and uh, uh, changing crooked and hard lives into beautiful Christian lives is passed down from one Christian to another. Did you know I didn't know what to do? My pastor led me and he took me in his arms and taught me to be a soul winner and taught me to go to hospitals. And I never will forget the first time he ever invited me to go preach a funeral with him. And I, I never I never even sat up front in a, in a funeral service. And he said, now, Brother Stone, I want you to read the obituary. And I mean, the place packed out. And man scared me to death. And, and I didn't know that the pastor went and sat in a little room and waited and, and all the things that go on behind that. Did you know I had to go by dead people laying out on a bench in there? And scared me to death. I'd never, I'd never done anything like that before. But you know, I think God and my pastor took me with him. And I think my, uh, God and my pastor taught me uh, to be in sympathy with those. He said, now come on, Brother Strong, we go stand right down here and we shake hands with people they come by. I thought to myself, for what? They're crying and carrying on you. But I learned something. I sympathized with them. I learned to suffer with them. But where did that come from? A lot of that came from his teaching me what was going on. What was the ministry about? 
And so it was passed down. And I got news for you. If you serve in the Lord today, somebody passed it down to you. It was passed on. And notice this man had a son and he passed his work down to him. Now notice something else. It's hard work, but it's beautiful work. These beautiful pillars were the product of a combined effort. Hiram had the wisdom, but others made the molds. Others built the fires. Others were melting the brass and providing the fuel for the fire. And you can go on and on. Here's what I'm saying. Did you know a preacher don't run the church? He's just the head of the church, if you want to put it. Not the head of the church, but I mean the overseer of the church. But the people's one who does the work. One of the great awakenings to me is I went to Dr. Howe's church one Sunday and they was running... Uh, that Sunday, they had 10,000 in Sunday school. Now, they will forget it. A big auditorium packed. And, and uh, they had there was people coming from every direction and got saved that morning, come across the aisle and got saved that morning. And I got inquiring. Did he win all them people to the Lord? Not a one of them. Not a one of them. He didn't even preach a salvation message that Sunday. All he talked about was a Jackie boy and laying on his daddy's funeral and crying when his daddy died and, and that kind of thing. And everybody in Hammond, Indiana, either likes Jackie boy or they spit on him. And that's all you heard about for an hour at his sermon. I said, how did all these people get saved? You know how they got saved? He had a, a visitation director. He had a bus director over the bus ministry. He had a Sunday school director. He had a college professor over the college. He, every aspect, what he was, was a motivator of those head people that did the work. He didn't win none of them to the Lord. And you know what I've learned over the years? It's not the preacher that does the work. It's the people of the church that does the work. And it's the same thing when he comes here. We look at this man and say, Oh boy, he must have been a wise man in the crafting of all this. And give us give him all the credit. No, sir. I believe if we could talk to him today, he said, I didn't do it all. I had people helping me. Amen. And I believe that with all my soul. Then when it comes to the Christian life then, some preach God's word. Some sing songs, some give, some keep the buildings maintained, and you could go on and on. That's how the work of the Lord is done. Notice again what these two pillars symbolize and stood for. Jason means stability. I want to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12, just a minute. Hebrews chapter 12, and look with me in verse 25. See then that you refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape when we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more signifies the removing of those things that are shaken out of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may be remain. Wherefore we receive a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace wherever we might serve God acceptable with reverence and godly fear, for God is a consuming fire. You know what the Bible is saying there in the book of Hebrews? Be steadfast in the work of the Lord. Have some stability about you. Uh, Matthew 16, verse 18 in part says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, we're the church. John 10, verse 27 
28 says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Now, that's stability. Amen? Number one, <coughs> this pillar called Jesus speaks of the child of God's stability. And it speaks of our safety for time and eternity. The second pillar called Boaz speaks for strength. In Psalms 96 and verse 6, honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. The strength, the Christian strength is in the Lord. Amen? Now notice something. Something beautiful taught here. These great, strong, stable pillars had beautiful capitals on them, or calibers on top of them, engraved with beauties. Strength needs beauty to adorn it. Beauty needs strength to support it. And a great big old man, a sinner saved by God's grace, needs to be gentle, he needs to be kind, and he needs to be tender. A sweet woman, a young lady, born again, needs to be morally strong. Here's what this type and figure is all about. These two pillars are what people saw when they first approached this beautiful temple, which, where the Shekinah of glory of God was on the inside. And you know, here's a, here's a wonderful truth. I had a preacher years ago said, Did you know that you're the only God that a lot of people ever see? And when he said to me, I cringed. I said, man, that's blasphemy. No, it's not. You get right down to the truth about it, you represent God. You're an, you're an ambassador for Christ. And there's a many a person, when they think about God, and you say you're a Christian, you're the only one they're going to look to, and they might never talk to anybody else about God. You represent God. And you think about this for a minute. When, they, when, you, when you approach this temple, the first thing you saw were these beautiful pillars. You know what they spoke of? The majesty and the beauty of Almighty God behind the Shekinah glory inside. And I believe this with all my soul. Every Christian, when they see you as a real born-again Bible-believing Christian, they see Christ behind you. Amen? Now let me give you one other thing, please. These two great, beautiful pillars and all their beautiful works proclaim to all who saw them, these people believing good works, who made them. I read, I quote, I guess, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, more than anything else, any of verses in the Bible. But hardly ever do you hear verse 10 quoted. For by grace you say through faith that not yourself to give to God, not a works lest any man should boast. But then it says that we're created in Christ Jesus unto good works. See, verse 10. I believe these pillars teach us Christians uh, are to be a people, number one, to be rooted and grounded in faith and love. Ephesians chapter 2, Colossians 1. Then number two, not to be carried about by every wind of doctrine. Ephesians 4, James 1. Number three, God is our refuge and strength. Philippians 4, Colossians 1. We are to wear the whole uh, white lily of a blameless life. 2 Peter 3, 7, 14. We are to bring forth much fruit as those pomegranates. Uh, did you hear what I said a while ago when I was reading that? 200 
of those engraved pomegranates around that thing. Can you imagine making 200 of those little things around that caterpillar? Now, you know what a pomegranate is? It's a little bit of fruit. Well, about that big. My grandpa eat them things all the time up in West Florida. They're beautiful fruit. And you think about it for just a minute. Those fruit represents the lily life that a Christian ought to live. We are to be pillars in this life and the life to come of our God's grace, His power, and His majesty. Let me give you one other thing. Did you know that a lot of people didn't see those pillars up there? We go about our work on this earth. And we say, nobody cares. But God's looking. You know who saw the top of those pillars? If nobody else seen them 18 foot up near, God saw them. God saw them. Amen? And a beautiful picture of that is, you think about it, they represent our work for the Lord. And we do it the best we can in the power of the Holy Spirit. And God's paying attention. Amen? If nobody else does, He does. Stand with me, please. Heavenly Father, it's a great privilege to be in the work of the Lord. And we thank You so much for leading and guiding us into this beautiful work. And Father, being somebody that's been in construction business and trying to do the best we can with our hands and work, backing away from something we've done and, and saying to ourselves, I like that. That's pretty. How, how beautiful these things must have been for a man to look upon because it was made by the wisdom of the Holy Spirit of God and His direction. And when we look at a real Christian's life lived out on this earth, we have to back away and say how beautiful a real Christian is. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name tonight. Amen. Take him, somebody, please.